0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 278. Overcoming the Imposter Syndrome with Brian O'Neill.
1: Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your host, Certified Financial Planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money your economy and your future hey
0: everybody and welcome to this week's episode now there's an old proverb that was once taught to me it says what saves you in the morning can kill you at night in other words the things that you used to help yourself out of problems early on in your life for example the habits or the skills or the disposition your personality all of the things that make you you and helped you survive early on can sometimes be the noose around your neck as you transition into new chapters, new phases in your life. Now, Dan Sullivan has a great quote. He says, The skills that get you out of Egypt will not get you into the promised land, end quote. I think that is a very poignant quote, but I think it's even more poignant than that. It's not just the tools we used To get us to where we are today are no longer helpful but it's actually these same tools can actually harm us if we hold on to them too long let's say you're making your way through a dark and dungy cave and thankfully you've got a lit torch lighting your way now let's say you get out of the cave and now it's time to get into a boat to cross the ocean and let's say you take that same lit torch onto this wooden boat to cross the ocean If this torch remains lit, the torch's flames might burn down your boat. Better instead to drop the torch in the water and maybe pick up a pair of oars to get you going. So the tools that got us to where we are today may not be what serve us in our next phase of life, our next chapter of our life. So what does any of this have to do with your finances or our guest today? I promise I'm going to let you know. But before I do, I want to first ask you, what skills might it take to be a good and successful employee. Think about that for a minute. What's the disposition? What's the personality? What are the sets of skills that you need to have, the mindset of a good employee? Now ask yourself, what does it take to be a successful business owner or entrepreneur? The first set of skills might not be useful. In fact, that might be harmful to the business owner if you were to move from employee to business owner. If you're waiting for someone to tell you what to do as an entrepreneur, you're not gonna last very long as a business owner or as an entrepreneur. But as an employee, you might want to wait for your boss to tell you what to do. So this skill works just fine if you're a W-2 employee, but it could be fatal if you are your own boss. So with that in mind, I wanna introduce to you an incredible guest, Brian O'Neill. He's an experienced real estate investor. He's an author, a speaker, a coach and podcast host in his real estate business. He specializes in creative finance strategies, for purchasing properties, offering flexible solutions for both buyers and sellers of real estate. Brian spent 25 years as an employee in corporate sales, stuck in a job he didn't like, and being away from his wife and his young son. But after decades of trying, Brian was finally able to break free and start his own real estate business. And now he helps other aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners in similar situations break out of their W-2 prisons through his coaching program and his podcast, which is aptly titled The W-2 Prison Break Show. Brian has experienced many challenges and many roadblocks in his life, and he's had lots of help from his family, his coaches, his friends, his mentors all along the way. Providing the highest value to his clients to help them realize their dreams is, I believe, something that drives Brian on a daily basis. It was a true pleasure to get to meet and speak with Brian. And as a fellow bank-on-yourself revolutionary, it was great to get to talk with him about how he has used his policy all along the way to help him with this transition to leaving the W-2 in the dust. So what does it feel like to quit your day job? The same day job that's providing for you every month not just you, but you and your family. Let's listen in and see what Brian can share with us.
2: Brian, welcome to the show. Mark, great to see you. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Appreciate you having me on.
0: We're just up the street from each other here in great Chicagoland. Why don't you tell us how you got to where you are today?
2: Yes, we are up the road from each other and we met in the mastermind that I'm in now, which took me a very long time to get to, Mark. I had actually been probably searching for this mastermind that I'm in for close to 25 years. Like a lot of people, my download was go to school, get a good job, get good grades, go to a great college, and get into a great management training program. And then maybe if you work hard and long enough, you'll retire at 65, right? And have enough money to live for maybe another 15 or 20 years. That was my download. That's what I saw my father do. That's what I saw my grandfather do. That's what I was taught. I'm like, well, this makes sense. I'm supposed to go do this. And I did for a very long time. I had a sales career. I worked for the same company for 17 years, selling elevators. So I had a very high travel job. I was flying about 100,000 miles a year, living in hotels, just gone a lot. I always knew there was something different for me, better for me. I'd always loved real estate. As a young boy, I loved looking at model homes and I would beg my parents to look at houses. So there was always that passion there. I just didn't think it would ever become a business for me. And it really wasn't until I had a son, Mark, he's 11 now, but when he was smaller, I had this high travel job. I'd go away for two or three days. I'd come home. He looks different. He's speaking different. And that started to slowly chip away at me. I'm also away from my wife as well, right? And there my wife and my son are alone, but Hey, I got to provide for the family. Then my son started to get older, and then he would tell me, hey, Dad, I don't like it when you leave. I don't like when you leave the house. I'm afraid to the point where it was, it was, he was getting anxiety as a result of it. So now I have this, the, you know, like I'm dying inside, but I got to do what I got to do. And that coupled with the fact that I had never really had the courage to chase my dreams, right? I had always wanted to be in business for myself and do my own thing and make my own mark, be the one for my family, if you will. I just was too scared. I was too scared. What if, what if, right? What if I fail? What if I look bad? What if I don't make enough money? Well, that conversation I had with my son gave me the courage to stop being afraid. And I remember one day I came to my wife and you remember these moments in your life that are where you decide, right? And it's quite vivid. I remember where I was. I remember exactly what I said. And I told her, I, I said, look, I'm no longer going to let my self-limiting beliefs and my fears and doubts get in the way of chasing my dreams. And it was either that day or the day after where I joined the mastermind. I hired my coach, Chris, and about nine months from that decision, I left my W-2 job and I had been trying for 25 years.
0: And this is not a just a quick hourly job. This is a long standing career. What was your biggest reservation as you're making this leap? No one can take a leap of faith without at least a little, ooh, man, you know, hesitation inside you. So what were your anxieties? What were your fears? What was going on in that mind of yours?
2: It's different. I've now realized with awareness what the real reason was. But back then, my anxieties were money, that I wouldn't be able to earn enough income or that I would have this loss of this steady paycheck and these health benefits and my 401k and just the trajectory that I was on. The other fear that I had was just fear of having to answer to people like, hey, what are you doing? That sounds risky. Jumping into a different circle, getting out of my comfort zone. What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? How's that? How's, how am I going to look? That can paralyze a lot of people. It paralyzed me for a long time, Mark. But what I really came to, to discover after I had finally gotten over that was that I was afraid of, hey, what if I actually do succeed? That's, I think, was the biggest block. It was the imposter syndrome. What if I'm actually good at this?
0: Interesting. So the fear of success is not something that I would instantly think of somebody's biggest constraint when leaving the day job. To dream of being a successful business owner is partly what pushes people out of the nest. But you bring up the imposter syndrome. First of all, what is that? And how did that impact you? And I'm sure it's impacting others.
2: I think it does. And we use that in term so freely, but it's really the fear. It's the fear of success. And that's what ultimately was blocking me. I didn't realize it at the time. A lot of us have this fear that, hey, I'm not worthy of all this success. And you really have to acknowledge that you are worthy. But it's hard to get over. It really is.
0: You know, there are certain beliefs that we carry around with us almost a backpack because everyone, I believe, who is on their way to success and maybe see other people further down the journey, typically when they mingle with those people, there's a sense of imposter syndrome, I think, that comes up there, a sense of being a fraud in the crowd. I don't actually belong here, and when are people going to find out? And that definitely is a false belief that comes up when you're trying something new and you make that decision. And that could be starting a business, but it could also be anything else, right? Becoming a parent, having an important relationship in your life, doing anything of responsibility or importance, or even just showing up and showing your artwork on display might be the trigger for an imposter syndrome to take hold. I think really in part it it comes, I believe, and you can tell me what you think about this, but part of it, I think, is this belief that you either are intelligent, you are capable, you are able to manage it, you're able to handle what it takes, or you aren't. It's, an, it's a light off, light on sort of situation. I think we believe that competence and capability is a binary trait that either you have that capability or you don't, and it's this fixed quantity. And I think that's what triggers for me, especially in my early years as a business owner or as a parent or any other responsibility you might take on. I think that's partly where that feeling of being a fraud comes from.
2: I think you nailed it. I mean, the thing that came to mind when you said that was fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Right. Yeah. And there's a tremendous book that I read called Mindset by Carol Dweck that really, if you haven't read that book, I would highly encourage it because it really talks about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset and how you can change the way that you think. It's the truth. Anything that makes us uncomfortable we use that imposter syndrome as an excuse to not do it to make us sell and that's really all it is like we're telling ourselves these stories like i'm not good enough or that's and, not word for me
0: and that errors are somehow the make or break moment that anyone who is worthy of being a an entrepreneur or a parent I'm using these examples but it could be anything right a, an artist a musician fill in the blank that somehow errors are not experienced by the best of us i will tell you that bruce springsteen still is learning, growing, improving, and as a result, making errors. Mozart, hopefully he was continuing to grow and make errors as he went. So it's okay to make these stumbles and trips. I guess I'm curious, what were some of your biggest hurdles you had to overcome as you took that leap, made that decision to break free? As your website, business, and podcast and everything are called, how did you break free from prison, your W-2 prison? What were some of the leaps you had to take there?
2: Let me tell you something too, even when I had solved the money issue, which you know blocks a lot of us to leave your job, I was still petrified to do it. I still had, when it came time to finally say, okay, I'm ready to take a leap of faith here, I was really scared. And it just went back to my download, right? It was hard to break 30 some odd years of my download in a couple of weeks. So the fact that I had the support Chris helped me with this a lot. I said to him, I think it's time for me to leave, right? I think it's time for me to leave my job. I'm just not sure. I've got this steady paycheck and health benefits. And it's just, it was all these what ifs and what ifs and what ifs. And he said to me very pointedly, he said, Hey, Brian, the job's the risk. The w 2s the risk. And at that moment, I said, I I had never even thought of it that way before. When he mentioned that, I said, yeah, you're actually a hundred percent right. Cause they can cut you at any time. Right. And I had been at that job since 2004. So I went through the 08 layoffs and I went through three rounds, right? When they fired the salespeople, the company's going out of business. So I, I pretty much survived everything. But every time I said to myself, that could have been me. I could have been one of the 50 people that they let go with two weeks severance. And now what do you do? And so I knew at that point, I started thinking about, hey, I've got to have some type of backup here. But it was really having that person or that, those people in my corner that said, hey, you're looking at it the wrong way. Okay, all that stuff you have a fear of, like I had a big 401k account, Mark, I had no Mm -hmm. idea what to do with it. That was something you and your team helped me with. We had a phone conversation with that. Having a bank on yourself policy, I was able to figure out what to do with some of those funds, right? Because that was a fear for me, like, hey, I got all this money, what am I supposed to do with it? What do I do Mm -hmm. about health insurance? What do I do about the fact that maybe I'm only going to be getting paid once per month versus every two weeks, right? And maybe the checks will, be, will look different. So it was just really breaking out of that normalcy, if you will, into something that was completely different. And then the challenges of being a business owner too, which you could, we could talk all day about that.
0: So you're bringing it down the ladder from the mindset, which we could live all day up there, but it's at the same time, we got to build machines that get us free from this prison, the W-2 prison. So you brought up a few of the the constraints, the health insurance package, the 401k. What are some of the practical things that you were able to do to replace your health insurance, to replace your 401k? You brought up bank on yourself. What does that and how did that help you break free from the prison of your W-2, as you call it?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I did. I had this money fear, right? Like, okay, what if what if this fails? Like I've done I've had some success. I really need to. And I've got a wife, too, and a son. I have to make sure that we're covered. So having the bank on yourself policy, again, and by the way, this is the beauty of a mastermind. I had never heard of bank on yourself before, three years, three years ago. I had never heard of it. I remember I called up one of my friends from college who is a, he owns his own law firm. He's owned his old law firm for many, many years, successful individual. And I said, have you heard of this? He's like, oh yeah, I got three of them. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I knew that I was in the wrong room all those years. Because he immediately says, oh, yeah, we got three of them. One for the, I got one for the kids. I got one for me. I got one for my wife. So that's when I knew I was heading in the right direction. And what that was able to do was a lot of things. And I know your listeners know this very well, was giving me the peace of mind. So now I have this loan component. I've got some freedom. I can borrow money if I need to. I can invest it in real estate. I can use it for deals. I've got the death benefit, which is super awesome. There's so much flexibility, and it, again, it was something—it was life-changing for me. And you know, we're planning on getting more policies, and I've introduced my family to you, just because it's been such a game changer in terms of that feeling of like, okay, I've got some—I've got some backup here now, security, and a plan, right, for generations. Like, I—I'm—I'm I'm gonna be the one.
0: Mm, that's cool yeah
2: which is really awesome and then with the 401k or with my 401k i basically just transferred some of it to that and then i also i also have a solo 401k which is self-directed so now mm-hmm. i have the choosing to buy or invest in what i choose versus the list of 15 or 20 mutual funds that they force you to invest in in your job right which completely out of that now i invest in what i see to be a valuable asset
0: what are some other Important pieces of advice you'd give to someone considering leaving the W-2. I think the health insurance conversation is a big one for a lot of folks. Is it really that hard to get your own health insurance? What about other items like tax deductibility of certain expenses you might have? These sorts of things, these practical pieces of the puzzle that you might be able to impart to our audience.
2: Yeah, Yeah, a couple of things. Good that you brought that up, Mark. As a business owner, and I'm going to talk about specifically as it relates to real estate, I'm a professional real estate investor in terms of the IRS, what the IRS looks at. I have very, very favorable tax benefits. So I don't have to earn as much money as a W-2 employee because I keep more of it. And that's something that we just don't think about, especially for higher income earners who are giving away 40% of their money to the government. Okay, you can earn less if you're worried about money. You can earn less because you're going to keep more, right? And then when you start adding in some of these other wealth generating tools like bank on yourself, then you start to feel even more comfortable about it, right? When you start going out looking at buying assets versus by owning a bunch of liabilities and having this high tax burden. The other thing that I would say would be about health insurance has really dogged me. It's a silly reason to stay in your job. It's such a ridiculous reason to stay in your job. And I stated it because of that. I actually pay less for health insurance now than when I was employed.
0: Well, that's shocking. I'm sure a lot of folks. So how do you do that? What do you do to make that possible?
2: Well, again, as a real estate investor, well, even when I was, okay, so let's, I'll dial back here a little bit. So when I was still, I had just left my W-2 and my income was a little bit higher. I just got a, I got a policy, right? Did it cost me a little bit more? Did I have a higher deductible? Yes. So what? Like, it's not about you're, you're covered, right? Insurance is not, I, I think we all look at it differently. Like we have to have This low, low payment, like insurance is there for the sky is falling scenario if you get really sick. So I said, look, I'm healthy. The family's healthy. We're going to have a policy that makes sense if something catastrophic happens. But then as my tax burden went down, okay, and I became self-employed real estate, my income looks low on paper. I was able to get a very favorable policy from the marketplace.
0: Mm, Yeah. Due to your income showing a lower bracket, whatnot. And I would even just uh, venture a slightly, I mean, that's an incredibly smart and great way to look at it, I think. And you're literally paying less for health insurance. This blows me away every time I read it. The average cost of employer health coverage for a family this year in 2022, as we're recording this, is $22,000, $22,000 a year. So are you paying that much? Probably not. But you are not getting an income that you would otherwise get because your employer is helping you pay for that. Through a split share arrangement. So if you are making 30 grand more as a business owner than you would have made as a W 2, and then you pay even the same amount of health insurance premiums uh, by yourself, you at least are coming out ahead just because of the math, right? I would rather make 30 grand and pay all 22 myself than pay 10 grand and have the employer keep another 12,000 from my pocket and not make as much money overall. But you're right. It is a silly reason. When we really stop to think about it, I believe in some ways it goes back to mindset a little bit, which is, Daddy, Mommy, please provide for me. My boss is my parent in this case. Take care of me. Whether it's the you know boss or the government, I think what I love about working with entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you might be able to say the same, is we really feel like we're working with people who want to truly not be in control of their life because nothing. I don't know if we can truly be in control of every part of our life. There's always curveballs, but at least we can influence more than we otherwise could. If we had just handed over our responsibilities to our employer or our government or Wall Street, if you've got the ability to take back some manner of control, you actually have some advantages in terms of things like health insurance, even. I'll get off my soapbox there, Brian. Anything you'd add there?
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think that in the last couple, three years, the world has changed more than it has probably the last 15 or 20. You might, you may agree or disagree. This can continue to go that way. So mm, with the, yeah. un, with uncertainty, you really need to learn to rely on yourself. Okay. And here's the, here's something that I tell people who are thinking about leaving their job. I say, look, my real estate business could go belly up tomorrow. It's not, but let's just say hypothetically it could. No one can take the last three years away from me it cannot be removed from me the people that i know the connections that i've made i never have to go back to relying on somebody else i know how to make money on my own and that can never be taken away from you mm-hmm. once you go through that so i would encourage anyone listening that learn how to at least take some of the control like you don't have to dive off the deep end dive into the deep end tomorrow but start learning different ways to make money start learning about banking yourself start learning about self-directed retirement accounts and just insurance. And don't mm-hmm. sweat that by the way, because that's not, a, that's not a reason to stay in your job. You that's have right. to think about what your life would look like when you're not relying on somebody else.
0: If all you ever did was eat food that was given to you by your you know central authority, let's say you had to go downtown to get in the bread line every single day, mm-hmm. and all you got was processed foods in a reheated dinner plate, And that's just what everybody did. And that's the download we got as kids. And that's just everything that we were ever taught was, hey, you're gonna go downtown, get your plate of mush and do that three times a day for the rest of your life. Imagine how how miserable we'd all be until someone starts growing their own food and how weird that would be for the rest of us to go look at weird Brian over there in the corner growing his own food. And yet look at how much healthier he is and look at how much happier he is and look how much more time in the day he has. Yeah. Did it take some new skills? Did you have to buy some new tools like a backhoe or a shovel or whatever and learn how to plant seeds? Sure. It's a skill set, but it was also first and foremost, a mindset. And you said, you know what? I'm getting out of this line for my bowl of mush and I'm going to go find my own way and try this thing out. And good for you, man. So for those listening, yes, there is a risk to getting out of the bread line, but wow, look at how much you can do, how much you can advance your life. And you're right. No one can take away the skill set of gardening your own life to where you know that even if everything else was taken away from you, you could start fresh again with a new plot of soil. So, Ryan, as we're wrapping up here, let's say that son of yours, he's 11 now. What are some things that you're doing to not just pile up a big pile of money to give him someday, but give him that same courage that he gave you?
2: Yeah. First of all, I told him exactly that. I'm like, you gave me the courage to quit being afraid. You should have seen his face when I told him that. Like, he he lit up, right? Like, I had been telling everybody else, and I said, I need to tell him. Like, he's the one. I got to tell him. I really believe that people who are looking to leave their job or want a different life, you really have to have something like what I had, right? It doesn't have to be your kids. It just has to be something really, really powerful that you can get behind when it gets difficult, because it will it will get difficult. Jumping over from W2 to entrepreneurship is not necessarily going to be easier. It's just going to be different. You're still going to have challenges. You're still going to have roadblocks. When you think about quitting, whenever I think about quitting, I think about what he says to me, which is, I don't like when you leave because I'm never going back to that. So you really have to have that. There has to be a strong reason behind it. Otherwise, most people are going to quit. I was like that as well, which is why I stayed there for 25 years. It wasn't a, It wasn't until I got to the point where, hey, this is why I want to do this. And here's what it's going to look like if I don't in great detail. Mm. And that's what ultimately was able to push me through, Mark.
0: Fantastic. I think that's what we can all hope to give to the next generation. And I appreciate you being willing to take that leap and teach the rest of us now and that you have these tools. To help you get there i know the real estate piece is an incredibly important part of your business Mm -hmm. and also you do some coaching describe that and uh, also let us know how we can find you uh, if we want to pursue you in that regard
2: thank you mark yes i do have the real estate business for my coaching business which is w2 prison break i have a podcast which you've been on so graciously thank you an awesome show w2 prison break show I help people who are like me, like the story that I just, that I've told about being stuck in that job, knowing that there was something better for them, but they don't know where to start, right? They have all these fears associated with it. There's all these blocks. And I actually wrote just a small guide. It's a five-step guide to jumpstart jump start your W2 Prison Break, and you can get it on my website for free at W2PrisonBreak.com.
0: Very cool. And that's W2PrisonBreak.com.
2: Yes, yes, it is.
0: Brian, thank you very much again for coming on. The interesting thing that catches me as we're wrapping up here is, you know, you're tapping into the oldest form of work for humanity. We think that the traditional way to work is to get the nine to five, to punch our card, to play nice with the boss and that sort of thing. That is a relatively recent phenomenon. Some might even say it's a post-industrial or an industrial and post-industrial phenomenon what you're tapping into is something that's very old, ancient even. And that's much more like the bank on yourself dividend paying whole life insurance, which is hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years old. It's older than the United States and might even go clear back to the Roman times. Um, but the important piece is when we think we are in the the normal, but it's actually a very modern experiment, we don't realize it. We don't realize the kind of temperature our water's been cooked up to until we jump out of that boiling pot and go look for fresher places to be. So thank you for tapping into the ancient wisdom of entrepreneurial access and uh, for breaking free from the prison and showing the rest of us the way out. I just really appreciate that. In fact, I'm even now getting the picture of the allegory of the cave with Plato. He helps people break free from their prison when they're just fixated on the shadows. Thank you, Mark. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. I
2: appreciate you and for giving me the opportunity to be on the show
0: thank you again, Brian, for coming on the show. What an incredible episode with tons of wisdom packed in there. So Brian and I talked about that importance of practicing being grateful for what we have. That was a big key component to him dislodging the imposter syndrome in his own life. And then also the W-2 is the risk. That was a giant aha moment for Brian, and it is for me too, to realize that the W-2 is the most risky place you can be in terms of your income. When you own a business, and let's say you have only 100 customers, you have 100 streams of revenue. And if one person quits on you, if they fire you, or if you fire them, that's still 99 sources of income. When you have a W-2, you don't have 100 streams of income. You have one stream of income, your day job. Now, it would be pretty tough to be fired by all 100 of your customers as a business owner, say, all at once. But when you have one boss who wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one day, and decides for whatever reason it's going to be your day to get the pink slip, you're in big trouble if you have no other streams of revenue. So the W-2 is the risk. So if you'd like to chat with me or with Brian or any number of other folks that are on the journey with you, find us at notyouraverage.mn.co. Sign up for free. be happy to speak with you about your current situation, your questions. And that's it for this week and another year in the books. I can't believe it 2022 is gone. Here we come 2023. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your day job,
1: and your future.